Well, if you're starting a business out of passion, you should name it like the most defining characteristic about yourself. I was adopted. That really screwed me up as a kid. And she's like, no, nope, that sucks. And I was like, well, I'm an, I'm an only child. And she's like, only child brewing company. And then I was just like, it's actually really funny. And like, you could name like a beer like Spoiled Brad. And it just started steamrolling and then it just stuck. And then I got married and had a bunch of kids. And everyone says, why is it only child brewing when you have an army of children behind you? Because it's about me. <laughs> Stumbled on into the Tap Takeover podcast. Just over the Wisconsin Illinois border, a stone's throw from Six Flags Great America is only child brewing company. Founded by a husband and wife team, this family centric brewery has been churning out great craft beer since 2013. Today we are joined by Ben, the founder, head of brewery operations, self proclaimed Jedi, and dad joke teller. <laughs> What's up? And Charlotte, the taproom manager, sender of emails, social media guru, and website stated glue that holds it all together. <laughs> Hi guys. I was going to say, someone's been reading the website. Right. For sure. <laughs> Thank you both for hosting us and welcome to the tap takeover podcast oh welcome thank you guys for coming so the first question we always ask is if you were to take over the taps at the tap takeover podcast what beers would you guys use to tell the only child brewing company story kind of a tricky question just because of our size and kind of our adventure adventuristic spirit uh, that we take brewing we don't always brew the same beers we do have a couple staples uh, which we'll definitely be sampling today. You know, I, I think it's the, when you look at our tap list at any given time, it's more so the styles of beers that we have that more kind of explain only child. Um, you're always going to come in here and have a variety of lagers on draft, which uh, not every place does, just because that's my assistant brewer Harrison and I, all of us here actually predominantly drink lagers. They're just, they're my favorite style of beer. And I'm really actually kind of liking seeing the trend go that way. You know, it, it's it, it more so just kind of the only child attitude, the names of the beers, and just, I, I don't know, the, the only thing we really take seriously here is the quality of our beer and the rest, you know, we just kind of have fun with and roll with. So that's, it's kind of up our alley. Awesome. You know, that makes sense. So, so what's the, what's the first beer up on the tap? For us today are you, well this is probably the the one we're a little bit infamous for is uh, stigma crusher it's kind of our take on uh, miller light it's an american light lager it's only three and a half percent being in the midwest surrounded by cornfields we use flaked maize and you know, flaked corn in the beer it is dry hop so there's a little bit of a light bite to it but it's tough to make a three and a half percent beer that light you know and that nuanced and flavorful but like the name, we crush the hell out of that beer a lot around here. So, <laughs> Well, this is an interesting choice because, I mean, we've been to tons of breweries. And yeah. every time we're there, we hear the people go up to the bar that have been there for the first time and say, do you have anything comparable to Miller Lite? So yep. it's a smart choice because you can say, yes, we do. And, yeah. you know, other people are saying, well, we have something that's hoppy as hell. Yeah, <laughs> say we have exactly. better than Miller Lite. Exactly. No, exactly. So when did this come about in the history of the brewery? A little over a year ago, I think, I want to say early 2017 was when we released it for the first time. I actually happened to drink a lot of Miller Lite 
Um, so it was if you go to the tour, they thank everybody from Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and people actually give me a lot of shit about it because, you know, I'll be back here slugging cans of Miller Lite and they're like, you own a craft brewery and you brew beer. Like, what are you drinking that shit for? And it's like, well, you know, I need water. I need to hydrate too. Right. You know? <laughs> Something you can drink all day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's kind of where this came about. Was it was just, you know, I wanted to kind of pay homage to that. I mean, we are, where we are up here, in, you know, on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois, we're in Miller country. I mean, that's, we're surrounded by most people, my neighbors, you know, a lot of people drink Miller Lite, Bud Light, and that type of stuff, and they don't, you know, everyone kind of associates craft beer with something hoppy as hell, like you said, and it's, it's nice to kind of show people, to me, that's a gateway beer to craft beer. Like, hey, you can have a light lager like the light beer you drink, and it doesn't have to taste like piss. Like, it can actually be really good and nuanced, and you can crush a bunch of them. So It's an easy introduction for you as a tap manager, too, for someone who hasn't been to a craft brewery before and isn't necessarily into the whole craft brewing scene. Yeah, yeah the number one question we get from people walking in is usually, uh, I'm looking for something light right now, and that's going to be the first beer that we have them try. It's delicious. It's very easy to drink, right? I can yeah. make, drink that all day on a summer day. Well, so. the, the name, too, is, is funny is because it's Stigma Crusher is obviously crushing the stigma of light lagers being water, but also only children are associated. There's a lot of stigmas about being an only child, so yeah. it's kind of a little double entendre going on with the name there. So, so speaking of the name Only Child, yeah. uh, back in 2013 when you opened in an 800-square-foot warehouse, yeah. how did you come up with the name Only Child, seeing as you have a big family? came up with the name only child before we opened uh, and it's because I'm an only child but I when I homebrewed uh, I worked in the city I was a beverage director at a little pub on the north side and I was drinking some of my home brews with some of our regulars there I used to like to make labels and name all my home brews but I wanted I wanted to come up with a name you know like every everyone who ever brews at home any home brewer no matter what has had the thought like maybe one day I could do this, you know, and I had that and I wanted to name something. And, you know, one of my customers was like, well, if you're starting a business out of passion, you should name it like the most defining characteristic about yourself. And I was like, well, it's like, I don't know. I was like, I was adopted. That really screwed me up as a kid. And she's like, no, that sucks. And I was like, well, I'm an, I'm an only child. And she's like, only child brewing company. And then I was just like, it's actually really funny. And like, you could name like a beer like Spoiled Brad and it just started steamrolling and then it just stuck and it went from there. And then I got married and had a bunch of kids, and everyone says, why is it only child brewing when you have an army of children behind you? <laughs> you got to ask, though, Because right? it's, it's about me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back to even yeah. before the brewery opened. Sure. Tell us about your background, your home brewing background, kind of what you started, and uh, do, do any of these beers exist now? Do any of these beers what? I'm sorry. Uh, from your home brewing background, do they exist like in your current lineup? No, none of I, I mean, I used to homebrew. I would turn my kitchen into like a little mini brewery. I did all grain. I had a little, you know, cooler mash tun. And my, it drove my wife nuts because we would literally had multiple glass carboys in our bedroom at night. Uh, just, you know, sitting there percolating and doing a little bubbling in our bedroom. And she used to just hate it, but she knew how much I loved it. So she, you know, became just a regular thing in our house. But I, I think the biggest catalyst to Only Child getting started was my job. Uh, I worked at a place called the Grafton Pub in Lincoln Square in Chicago and was the, you know, the beer director, beverage director there. I started, you know, managing their tap list, their the beer list, ev everything there. And really, that was back in from, I think it was 2010 to 2013. And that was back until Only Child started. But that was really when Chicago's beer scene was really kind of beginning to just blossom and I started uh, working with a lot of the distributors but also a lot of the independent breweries that were self-distributing B 
Beguile being one of those guys, and I actually got to brew one of my homebrew recipes with the guys at Beguile, and we, we brewed it on a commercial scale and featured it at, at a beer fest in the city, and that was nice. that was it. At that point, I'm like, all right, you know, this is, I'm doing this. One way or another, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. So being at that job, homebrewing, just being, being surrounded and making a living in beer really just kind of decided, made me decide to take it to the next level, so... Is there any beer in particular that kind of just like, wow, this is amazing? I did a that, I that did beer a, that inspired you to kind of say like, there's something out there that's different. Well, the game changer for me was way back in the day when I had Apocalypse Cow from Three Floyds because it's like a what 11% lactose double IPA, and I'll never forget the first time I had that. I used to live in Mount Prospect, which is actually why the brewery opened in Northbrook to begin with because we just found a warehouse close to home. But I used to go to the Binnies and Displains. I went there and I saw Apocalypse Cow and I bought it purely for the artwork because I thought the label was cool. Tried it, left my house immediately, went back to Vinny's and bought every bottle of it that they had on the <laughs> shelf and was like, something's, something's different in the world of beer now. And it, it was just, I don't know, it was just a, that was a game changer. But I mean, you know, my biggest influences have always been Half Acre, uh, New Glarus, things like that. What about you, Charlotte? Are you just along for the ride or is there something <laughs> out there that you, that you just got you into this also? Uh, yeah, actually, so when Ben hired me on, it was through a Craigslist ad. Um, which is a fun story we like telling people here. It's not just for murdering people. Yeah, (laughs) turns out. Um, So I I responded to that ad because it had uh, had the most unique interview questions I'd ever seen, and one of them being, you know, what's your favorite beer, what's your favorite style of beer, and, you know, I was answering those questions, and I think at that time it was... It was a Three Floyds beer, wasn't it? Your favorite beer was Zombie Dust, but your favorite style With was Marzins. was Marzins. Yes. And I was like, wow. all right, she likes lagers. <laughs> cool. uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been a sucker for a good Oktoberfest. We always joke now, too, like I would have probably put PBR also because that's my go-to light drinking beer. But I think that's your favorite beer on the website. It probably is, yeah. <laughs> that's wow. what it's Yeah, um, but that was it. And then, you know, for Only Child, um, when I came in for my official interview, I had Playtime Never Ends, one of Ben's double IPAs and again it was kind of one of those things I'd never had a beer quite like that the way it didn't scorch my palate and just left this like really nice smooth finish uh, I loved it and knew I had to be around it so that was kind of it for me so how long have you been on board with Only Child? Uh, I started five weeks after they opened the doors here so it'll be three years in October so can you go back to that first facility tell us tell us how you run a brewery out of an 800 square foot facility well the total square footage was about it was almost 1300 but it had just two useless offices in front uh, that we actually at the time turned into a kit we had a futon and a playpen for my young kids and like a bunch of toys and stuff back then before we had four kids we only had two my wife we were self-distributed and we bottled and packaged every ounce of beer we made so my wife was managing about 140 to 150 accounts all the way down as far as like Aurora and Naperville area, up through the city, the western suburbs, northern suburbs, all the way to the border of Wisconsin. So we uh, were a much different outfit back then. And, uh, you know, we, I, we fit our operation in that warehouse because I essentially, I, I just had pretty much a little bit bigger than normal homebrew equipment. So it was, you know, it was a, a, a learning curve and a learning time as we first started. We recalled a lot of product or swapped out a lot of product. 
we had some we had some troubles coming out the gate, but we uh, quickly learned. I quickly started researching, reading, asking some of the best uh, some of the best people out there, and learning from the best breweries out there, and uh, just growing and growing and growing. And we very quickly realized that that original business model was not a uh, long term feasibility. So you know that's when we realized we wanted to have a tap room. We wanted to be in front of people. We wanted to serve beer and share beer with our customers rather than just drive around in, in our cars and drop it off at places and then never see it again. Let's get into our next beer. What else we got next? I think up next we have our uh, Munich Helles Lager. Uh, it's called HE Double Hockey Sticks. Uh, this is, I mean, that name's kind of just a gimme. I mean, that's, you know, most kids growing up, you know, when they have, you know, there's the S word or the F word, which we actually have a beer named the F word. Uh, it's a double IPA we release once a year. Uh, so H-E double hockey sticks, it just with the being a Hellas lager, it just kind of seemed all too hilariously fitting. But it just goes back to what you guys will learn about or have learned about me that I just love good clean lagers you know at 4.8% and that that's just brewed very very traditional recipe of Vienna malt Munich malts uh, and Pilsner malt and then uh, a Bavarian lager yeast strain fermented nice and low and slow and just very clean and crushable Jim what do you think yeah definitely getting a lot of that uh, Munich flavor coming through yep. the very Bavarian flavors from the yeast mm-hmm. uh, great bready grainy background on it and yeah it's coming across really clean and light and yeah. super crushable here in summertime yep i mean the, the munich hellas should be like you know the main character coming through on both aroma and taste should be that pilsner malt and the munich malt and it's it, it really does come through nice and that's that's all i need in a beer <laughs> <laughs> it's quite delicious so so what, what capacity do you guys run at here at only child well right now i think We've been steady around 500 barrels uh, annually, and we're going, like I said, we're going through 90, 95% of it out of our tap room. I'm not really concerned with turning into a big behemoth brewery and relying on distribution. I would rather open several small breweries and just have more tap rooms, and that's kind of what we're looking to do. So uh, we definitely want to grow, because if you're not growing, you're stagnant, and no business owner wants that. I, it's just a matter of how we do grow, and I think that is... I think that's growing in a more not so linear path. You know, it, it seems the the ordinary next step for a brewery is get more tanks, make more beer, ship out more beer. Uh, that's not really what I want to do. Yours is an interesting story for us because I think you're the first brewery we've interviewed that has gone from, like you said, your wife was running around and dealing yeah. with 150 accounts to yeah. how many accounts do you guys have now that you actually deliver to and sell out of besides yeah. your tap room? How many? Yeah. How many are you at right now? I'd say 30 tops. Dude, that's that's very interesting. And we used to have about 140, 150, all you know, all over the eight counties of the Chicagoland area. And now we're primarily in uh, Lake County and extremely locally. A couple accounts still in the city uh, that we love, but uh, we just you know at this point we just don't have enough beer to get out to people all the time. And uh, you know our main concern is making sure that we have beer here. You know for the, the people that are coming here and in the tap room you know last summer we uh we have eight we have eight taps right now uh that we'll be looking to add to that as soon as some of these new laws that have just changed go through but we had we, last year during festival season during summer we went down to i think three or four beers left and that's just a problem we can't have you know we want the variety 
and we want people coming in here and checking out what we're doing and the beers we're cranking out. So, so speaking of festival season, sure. Um, your guys' episode will air right before the Antioch Summer Bash. Nice. So let, let's what up, give, Rick? Let's give Rick some love and. Uh, why don't you tell, tell us about the relationship you have with him, because he's actually the one who, who turned me on to your guys' brewery. I'm going to start off with this one. Uh, Rick and the Antioch Beer Riot was my first beer fest. Uh, I just turned 21, and it was back when it was free, and there were like 10 or 15 breweries inside, and it was awesome. I loved it. Um, and it was actually my first beer fest I poured at for Only Child, too. So it's kind of this cool little, there's a soft spot for Antioch, for Rick, for that store and what they're doing, and the local support that they give us. Ben kind of just tell you guys how he uh, knows Rick. I, Rick has been one of our uh, one of our very first clients. He's been a supporter since day one. I grew up in Grays Lake, which is just south of Antioch. When we started distributing, even though we were in Northbrook, it was very important for my wife and I to distribute our beers around where we grew up because we still had family and friends in this area, and we wanted. We're very proud of what we do, and proud of our company, and proud of our beer, and we wanted it uh, to be around where we grew up. So Antioch was uh, one of the first ones, and Rick has been awesome since day one. So awesome. So speaking of the the first beer that he actually turned me on to from you guys is yeah. Don't Tell Mom the Baby Citrus Dead is what you're drinking right now. Yep, right? and we actually have a our. our other cohort that couldn't be here today, Alex, because he's sick, yeah. um, wanted us to ask the question, because I've shared quite a few of those with him over the years, and he's, he wanted to know, who does your label artwork? Because it's uh, just such a great label with all the 80s references in it. It's amazing. And the movie. Yeah, the uh, Chris Tankowitz, uh, what up, Tank? Is He's just a genius with the artwork. I met him, he was probably three sheets to the wind at a little beer fest over in Haynesville. He asked me if I ever considered changing my image and and ever considered, you know, a different artist. And I was like, yeah, you know, give me your card. Let's talk. And sure enough, I contacted him and we just started shooting the shit. And I told him I wanted our our artwork to be somewhere between Calvin and Hobbes and Batman. And, uh, you know, with that cartoonish type of thing and all black and white. Everything we do is black and white, monochromatic. And uh, I basically send him a goofy-ass email and say, hey, here's this beer I'm doing and here's what's in my head. Every single email I send him ends with, does any of that make sense? And he just turns my weird-ass ideas into just gold. And he does a great job. He's really awesome. Well, the listeners right now are hearing that the volume's going a little bit up. We have bingo night tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the tap room a little bit more. What, sure. What can someone expect the first time they're here? And what kind of events do you guys hold during the week and, like, any big ones during the year? Well, I've, you guys are here on Tuesdays. Every Tuesday night is bingo night, which is uh, actually gets pretty busy. I, you know, with the rain tonight, I don't we'll, I'll be curious to see what type of crowd we get but bingo night rocks we do all sorts of different events uh charlotte would be the one to really talk to about that i mean i think what people can expect when they walk in here is that this is it's that minimalist environment i mean this is we're in a big warehouse in a big factory kind of off the beaten path in gurney you know we're not next to all the strip malls and all the all the chain stores and whatnot we're in an industrial park and this we have 25 foot ceilings you know and it's basically concrete and wood uh, and no bells and whistles. When we built this place, I essentially built everything in here with my bare hands and had uh, a buddy or two help me when I had something that was too heavy to lift. We come here because it's, it's different from everything and unique compared to everything else around here. And you know, you're gonna meet some cool people that are gonna serve you some killer beer. Yeah, I think that uh, something that kind of sets us apart too, especially from this area, is we really try to make sure that when you come in here, we know who you are. 
We know what beers you like. We know what styles you're looking for. We know what to make you try. Ben's going to come back. He's going to say hi to you when he's walking through the bar real quick. And people love that. They love knowing that the brewer knows who they are. That's a big deal. You don't see that a lot of breweries. So yeah, I mean, a lot of our regulars have become family members and friends at this point. You know, they're the people that we want to see all the time. Yeah, so as you guys are looking to expand more into uh, additional tap rooms, are there any laws in Illinois that either challenge uh, your growth pattern, uh, your growth plan, or any laws here in Illinois that facilitate your growth plan? Well, they just passed legislation. I believe it's supposed to be signed in the next 90 days or something like that. And don't quote me on that 100%. But uh, up until recently, you had to have a brew pub license to sell any other alcohol that you don't manufacture. So if you, don't, if you were a class one brewer like I am, I can't sell other breweries beers. I can't sell ciders, wines, or spirits. They just passed legislation that changes that, and a class one brewer will now be able to sell other alcohol. So that's great for us because we have a lot of friends that also work in breweries, and we would love to support them and sell our beer here, and or I'm sorry, and sell their beer in our tap room, and also add to our variety. Uh, it'd be nice to have a cider on draft because we get tons of people that come in, and you know, husband or wife, vice versa. So whatever one of them's a beer drinker the other one's not and one of them wants wine or cider it would be great to be able to have that because you know someone comes in here with the sole intention of drinking beer but their significant other or whoever they're with really isn't that much of a beer drinker that's going to limit how long they're going to stay so you know it, it that actually i'm really excited and pumped up about that law i hope it goes through uh like they said it was going to in the amount of time as far as hindrances not any at our size. I mean, we don't. We would have to grow. I, I mean, we would have to multiply in the thousandfold before we would have to really start worrying about anything that would hinder our growth. So, well, let's uh, continue the tasting here. Sure. Uh, what's the uh, next beer on tap? Uh, so the next one's gonna be No Way Jose. It's a pale ale. They brew with agave and lime zest. This is our number one selling beer across Hands the down. board. Hands down. Uh, Three to even one. if you combine some of our other sales like Don't Tell Mom or our Barrel Age Stouts, uh, this beer outsells and the guys cannot brew it fast enough. It was originally made as a house beer for Milwaukee Taco in Libertyville, so it pairs very well with tacos, pizza, other food. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those beers. I would say one out of every three people walking in the door asks for No Way Jose at some point while they're here. Yeah. Peter, from uh, who used to be the bar manager at like Milwaukee Trace and Milwaukee Taco, came in one day and just said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm working with my, my bosses, uh, Lee and Christine, the owners of Milwaukee Taco, and he said they were wondering if you would like to uh, brew a beer that pairs with tacos. And I was just like, let's hug it out, man. Let, let's do this. Who doesn't like, like tacos? Hell yes, I want to <laughs> brew that beer. Come on. In addition to the organic agave and lime zest, we also use uh, New Zealand uh, Motueka hops and Pacific Jade hops, which are both also known for their citrus and lime uh, zest characteristics. So it's just it's one of those beers that it's just people dig it like crazy, and we just brew it. In one of those tanks, there's always No Way Jose. There's never not. Great. So what, what percentage of your production is it? Uh, what, uh, no Way Jose I don't know be? that number. I'm a note taker, not a rememberer of things. <laughs> so I would have to actually pull that up on my computer to look at what percentage. But I will tell you that as far as a percentage of sales annually, it, it, I mean, second place is Stigma Crusher. That is three. No Way Jose is three times the amount of sales as the second place beer. So oh, it's, we sell a ton of it. Yeah, I'm digging the uh, the hops, the Moetica and the Motueka. Motueka. Yeah. The Motueka are really coming through, yeah. and that dash of salt at the end is just finishes it off perfectly. Yep. I really want a taco right now. <laughs> <laughs> so do I, man. 
how, well, how important do you think the name is for this one? Because something like this does stand out, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it was almost immediate when they said that it, it was, you know, going to be with tacos. We're like, okay, well, that's no way, Jose. It's a, it's a Spanish name, and it also fits with only child. Like, it, you know, every it, it's we derive so many of our names from things that kids and parents always say and it's like no way jose it's that i mean come on it's it's a no-brainer perfect and like i said we just have we like to have fun with it all right i think this is a good time to take a little break so we'll come back right after some beer news and talk some more only chow brewing be right back that's right welcome to beer news Certified fresh as of July 12th, 2018. The easily accessible beer this week is Boulevard Brewing's Hibiscus Goza. It's been a hot summer, and this sour ale brewed with sea salt, coriander, and hibiscus flowers goes down easy at just 4.2% ABV. It's a tangy, sweet and sour ale with a refreshing citrus character. In beer news, Eagle Park production continues to increase as they have yet another special release. On July 14th, they release Booze for Breakfast. Their Imperial Breakfast Stout with Burn Barrel Aged Coffee, Madagascar Vanilla, and Vermont Maple Syrup, which will be released in a very limited amount of 22-ounce bottles at the taproom only. Members will be able to pick up their bottles the day before as usual. A Burn Barrel Aged version is currently in the barrel and will be released when it's ready. Founders Curmudgeon's Better Half, originally the third release in the brewery's Backstage series, returns in August. In February 2012, the brewery released Cremudgeon's Better Half as part of their backstage series, now known as the Barrel Age Series. Cremudgeon's Better Half is a familiar old ale brewed with molasses and aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels, similar to Founders Canadian Breakfast Out, and now returns six years later. In brewery news, Venture Brew Co. is now open. This unique brewery and coffeehouse hybrid is located at 5519 West North Avenue in Milwaukee. Get your fix of caffeine in the morning, then return for an after-work beer. Registration for Central Waters River Run is now open. All participants will get a commemorative bottle of Central Waters beer and a free pint. All registered runners and walkers will also have the ability to purchase one bottle of black gold at Packet Pickup. Cigar City Brewing of Tampa, Florida is now distributing in Wisconsin. Now is your chance to pick up that can of Highlight IPA you've heard so much about. Goose Island continues to add new varietals in the Bourbon County Stout lineup. In addition to the already announced wheat wine, Horchata and Neapolitan are new. The remaining varietals are Coffee Stout, Reserve, aged in 12-year-old Elijah Craig bourbon barrels, Proprietors, which this year is with cacao nibs and chocolate added, Bramble Rye Stout, aged in rye whiskey barrels, and blended with raspberries and blackberries, and Vanilla Stout. In festival news, Badger State Brewing Company presents Badger State Block Party 2018 on July 28th, an all-day outdoor festival featuring craft beer, food trucks, music, and block party fun. Tickets are on sale now. Firkin Fest will soon be here, and we're excited for every day, counting down. The fest is on July 21st, and only a few tickets remain. In general news, the Tap Takeover podcast will be covering the great taste of the Midwest this year. We're asking you for input as to which breweries you'd like to see us talk to and any questions you might want asked. Email us at taptakeoverpodcast at gmail.com with anything you want to know about the great taste vendors. We'll also be having an upcoming contest where we'll be selecting two lucky winners to record a tasting episode with us in the solid, non-fail studios. We will be sampling the original Smells Like Bean Spirit, Imperial Smells Like Bean Spirit, and every single one of the variants. Stay tuned for more info and a video detailing this upcoming contest. This has been Beer News. Extra, extra. That's right.
All right, we are back. Thanks for the beer news. Amazing as always. So let's continue the tasting. What do we got next? Uh, that beer you got there is called Dad Jokes. That's a American IPA with almost no bitterness that you can find whatsoever, but just all late edition hops and dry hopping. Uh, that comes with Apollo, Azaka, Mosaic, and Cascade. Very kind of fruit, citrusy forward. Perfect kind of summertime crusher of an IPA. Also very pale. What's the grain bill on this? That is uh, Pilsner as the base malt, red wheat, and flaked oats. No specialty malt whatsoever. So that's about, that's almost as light as you can, color-wise at least, make a beer. <laughs> yeah, it's like opaque almost. Yeah. Jimbo, what do you think? Uh, I'm liking it. I'm liking uh, zero IBU, essentially. Sure. So, yeah, it's that lack of bitterness, especially in a hot, humid day like today where it gets bitey uh, with those high IBUs. This goes down much smoother. Uh, do you do anything with the water chemistry, too? Do you, like, increase the calcium carbides? Uh, we use, with hoppy beers, we usually um, we use calcium sulfate, uh, but our... All of our brewing water is carbon filtered, and then Lake Michigan water makes makes great beers. Yeah. No, I think it's great. It's um, it's actually a good intro for IPAs, you know. It's yeah, like, it doesn't scorch your palate. Exactly. It's not overly exactly. bitter. My girlfriend would love this. Yeah. I mean, we make we we do make IPAs that are very very bitter, but we also, you know, at this point we. We're released, we released this beer for Father's Day weekend, you know, the name Dad Jokes. I'm a total cheese ball. I love dad jokes. I love corny shit. But uh, it all kind of went well together. But we wanted this to really just be, like, one of those refreshing, like, if I'm outside and I'm grilling and I'm hanging out with the kids and we're in our backyard and I want to drink something, if I want hops, I don't want my palate scorched. I don't want to be, you know, a lot of IPAs, when they're overly bitter, they make you thirsty. They make you want water. I mean, that quenches your thirst. I didn't want bitter for a good summer IPA. I wanted smooth. Well, it's got a very nice soft mouthfeel to it. Yeah. You know, sort of like a New England style well, almost, too. With, with, well, it, it essentially is a New England IPA recipe. I just didn't use that yeast strain okay. that is popular with those, the Conan yeast strain that's popular with those. What's your best dad joke that you've pulled on your kids? Why can't you hear? Why can't you hear a pterodactyl go into the bathroom? <laughs> why? Because the P is silent. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, there's, oh, there's, there's so many of them. Yeah, that, are just so <laughs> bad. that is bad. It's yeah, really bad. Uh, yeah, but that's the type of humor. Or like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of any other ones on the spot. <laughs> well, speaking of your beer names, you touched on it before. Where do you where do you come up with some of these names? You just sort of spitball them while you're making the beer? I, no, I mean a lot. Well, sometimes sometimes we brew a beer and we don't even have a name for it until we're kegging it. Or other times, you know, a lot of them have been. My staff has named beers. Uh, my kids do stupid shit all the time that makes me think like uh, you know. I still want to name a beer. This is why we can't have nice things because I always say that. Like, it, like, just things like that, you know. Like we have beers, spoiled brat, time out. It's not all meant to be like super mushy kid stuff. It's just meant to be kind of tongue in cheek kind of humor, you know. That most people, whether you have kids or not, have probably heard or experienced or can laugh at from sure. something in their life. So I got, I got two. Where did they come from? So first was the F word, and yeah. why do you why do you only brew it once a year? And then together we rule the galaxy. We'll rule the galaxy. Sure. Okay. Well, the F word is just because, I mean, that kind of goes back to, like, the H-E double hockey sticks. It's like, you know, a lot of kids think, like, oh, my God, Dad, he said the F word. And it was just like, 
you know, that's, I don't know, I think that's a funny name for a beer, the F word. <laughs> what the fuck and was he thinking? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, together we'll rule the galaxy. My family and I are all, like, crazy into Star Wars, so it was, that was kind of like a father-son. And staff. Yeah, yeah everyone. Staff. We all love them. Everyone is, and it, it, we release that every May, you know. I always try and get it done, but we've never actually got it done for May the 4th. May the 4th, May the 4th but yeah. we at least release it in May. So. <laughs> so, as you look to expand, you know, additional tap rooms, you talked about getting into sours and having your, your sour room. Any types of sours that you're going to be looking at to kind of start off with? Any types of sours to start out? Well, uh, well, like uh, versus like kettle sours versus uh, something you're going to. Oh, have you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been yeah. doing sour. We had sours on here since day one when we opened. Uh, we have all these are every barrel you're sitting by is all they're all sours. We actually uh, Lance from Omega Yeast. Omega Yeast Labs in Chicago isolated the Britannomyces strain from the uh, Dree Fontainen in Belgium. So we have that strain of Brett. We have uh, some dregs from some Jackie O's Bretts that they use. We have all sorts of different wild ales. Uh, none of them are kettle soured. They're all just sitting anywhere from, I'd say the least amount of time they sit in any of these punch-ons is about nine months. Some of them sit in there for 15 months. All right. 12 uh, to 15 months. Spirit barrels or wine barrels, uh, both? Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. I use, I turn, anytime we get fresh dump bourbon barrels, I'll usually age a big old stout in them, and then I'll rinse them all out and turn them into sour fermenters, essentially, and just ferment wild beers in them. So, so is there any concern with, like, contamination? I know we've been to different breweries. They have their own room. You know, everything. Always. Always. I wish. I mean, because this isn't, Andy being this close to one is not good. No. Quite <laughs> 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 <Not> infected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, unfortunately, at this point, you know, we just don't have the space or the or the capability of having a separate facility for the sours. So there is always the possibility in the last, you know, after going through the initial troubles that we had with some infections early on when we first started, you know, my wife and I sat down when we decided to move forward and come to Gurney, decided that the most important thing, no matter what, owning this business is quality control. Since we've been in this facility and had sours, we've uh, we've we've dumped two batches down that have got some wild yeast in. Unfortunately, that's that's a risk. We keep our cleaning and our 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 sanitation game is on point. You know, Brett is killable. It just you know, unfortunately, it's uh you know it's kind of a roll of dice, and it can unfortunately happen sometimes. But we detect everything before it would ever. None of the sours are packaged, anyways, and none of the beers that would be packaged come into contact with any of the stuff. For the most part, we're all right. All right, so let's get back to Charlotte and tell us more about some of these awesome events that you guys are having here. Yeah, Ben's pretty cool with letting me do whatever I want to do here, which makes my job really easy. We were kind of, we were the first ones in Lake County to start doing yoga in the tap room, so we still do that usually once a month. I've done a couple big art shows, which I have a big art show planned later this fall. But coming up next, we've got a homebrew fest in July. And we're t- planning on taking some of the proceeds for the tickets to donate to local Gurney Area School District for uh, school supplies for the upcoming school year. But we've got about 20 homebrewers in the area, mostly from Lake County. Ciders, beers, meads, and um, we're going to be sampling them out, and we're letting the crowd pick their favorite beer. And then we've got Perfect Brewing Supply in Libertyville, Growmasters here in Gurney, and then Babel Homebrew uh, Club. They're sponsoring it with us. So we've got glassware and everything, uh, some really cool prizes. So we've got that coming up. And then our third anniversary is in August, August 18th. Last year was... That's uh, a party. Yeah, last year was... <laughs> 
the coolest party, and this year we plan on making it bigger and better. We block off part of the parking lot. Um, we don't do a ticketed event, so it's completely free for people to come to the event. We, ben is really cool about setting aside any of our barrel-aged beers, so our sours and stouts throughout the year. He sets aside a keg of it, and then we re-release them for the anniversary party throughout the day. Oh, so, so it's usually beer that you hold back? Or yeah. It's a lot of new stuff, full tap list, and... I, yeah. You know, wow. Okay. Set aside catch yeah. From so some you'll of the see stuff, stuff from like last year, like our uh, Pinot Noir barrel aged sour, or some of our big stouts that we've done are set aside, and then we re-release them for that day. Bands all day, food trucks coming out. It's pretty cool. We we had like probably close to 300 people last year. I think we'll probably hit 500 this year. Is the goal. So that's what we're expecting. So it's a party for sure. That's what we're most excited for all summer. Doing our first, uh, we got picked in the lottery too to do our pour it. Great taste of the Midwest for the first time this oh, summer. Awesome! Yeah. We'll yeah, see you guys there. We're covering it. We've been on the uh, we've been on the waiting list for there for a long time, so, so that's cool. What are you bringing there? I don't know yet, but Stigma Crusher will be there for sure because I need something to drink. So <laughs> <laughs> might have to have a few of those. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's one. Of the, that's a great fest beer. All right. Well, let's keep the tasting going. Then, what's the uh, next beer here? That is uh, that's a glass of barrel aged Question Authority. Uh, Question Authority was oh man you are ramping it up here huh <laughs> <laughs> it was a big it was an imperial stout that we brewed with himalayan pink salt and we entered that we poured that beer at the border wars beer fest in kenosha last summer and won best in show and uh best beer with that beer not even the barrel age version just the regular version we put some of that in a barrel and let it sit since last year and added cocoa nibs in the barrel to give it to have that dark chocolate kind of go with the the pink salt and it just turned into something a little special so kind of what, kind of excited what's about this that. clocking in on it's what's that what, what is it clocking in at for abv it's boozy it's a little just a little over 11 percent it's big i mean i think it was 10-2 as a base beer yeah. so, and it was put in a fresh dump barrel so wow it's still super tasty man yeah again that that salt addition at the end just kind of really ends the finish you get the salt at the end oh yeah right. yeah that's the bet the finish it's just like it's yeah. it's awesome it's dangerous because it makes you more thirsty yep <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah. point right yep <laughs> it's, I, I like to say it's a good summer stout uh it's not too heavy in body and we like to say it's stout season year round there are, there's always somebody coming in looking for a stout no matter what time of year even if it's 90 degrees outside so i i think this is a good stout for weather like this you know it's drinkable and it, it like it's a little uh the salt i think it just kind of adds to it, it just makes you want more of it you going? It's dangerous. Yeah. Andy, what do you think? I, I think it's really good. I mean, I, I, it is. I, the mouthfeel is phenomenal. That's, that's usually I know, my analysis. Yeah, it is. I, I'm a big mouthfeel guy when it sure. comes to stouts, and the mouthfeel is, you know, it's, it's soft on your palate. Yep. I'm a mouthfeel guy when it just comes to beer in general. I mean, it can make or break the beer. So, I mean, what's funny is that there are different brewing techniques and things that you do to manipulate the mouthfeel intentionally you know find a lot of our beers a lot of the style a lot of what i like is i like dry uh, with ipas with paleos with lagers like i like dry crisp and, and just smooth easy drinking beers we mash a lot of our beers on the lower side of the temperature spectrum for mash to uh to achieve that and uh but yeah i'm with you mouthfeel is it's everything it makes it, it can make a you can have a really good beer 
But if you perfect the mouthfeel, you can have a great beer. You know, so it, it, it's a big deal. Awesome. So, so as we kind of ramp down here, sure. um, you have a huge following here. It seems in, in Lake County. Yeah. Tell some of our Wisconsin listeners um, why they should just drop the kids off at Great America and come here for the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can bring the kids too if yeah. they want, or drop them off. But uh, it, it's. I mean, Wisconsin is known for beer. You know, it's beer country, but we're just, we're right here on the border. And uh, I've grown up in this area. Wisconsin's been a huge part of my life. And uh, we have that same mentality that a lot of, uh, a lot of Scotty folk do. So, you know, they like good beer. They know what they like and they know how to drink beer. And uh, it's kind of what we do. It's kind of what we do best here. So I would invite all of them to come check it out and hang out and drink with us. Can you tell us? Yeah, and I think Ben makes really approachable beers, especially certain parts of Wisconsin. I think they're not looking for those crazy hoppy beers. They want beers like Spotted Cow, you know, and I think Ben makes really, his lagers especially, are very approachable. They're easy to drink, um, and I think a lot of people in this area, northern Illinois, northern Lake County, and, you know, southeast Wisconsin and stuff, that's the kind of beer they're looking for. Well, I guess one thing, um, as we're wrapping up, like Andy said, uh, one thing we've kind of discovered as we've met with a bunch of brewers is that communities are very small. I'm just wondering, do you do collaborations with other brewers yeah. in Chicago? Can you tell us a little bit about that or any big ones coming up? We did uh, We did a collaboration. Our most recent one, we collaborated right here in Grays Lake, which is actually where I grew up and went to high school. Uh, my parents still live there. We, they have Light the Lamp Brewery, and uh, we teamed up. They're a hockey-themed brewery, uh, so we teamed up and did a beer called Hockey Mom, uh, which was a, a kind of a non-traditional style Kolsch. We did a, a regular Kolsch recipe, but added just a, a hint of chocolate malt to it and because we released it in October when hockey season started. So we wanted to do something a little different, and that's kind of what collaborations usually are about, is kind of skewing those uh, normal stylistic boundary lines and doing something different. Uh, but that was that was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Dan Ray, the head brewer over there, is just is wicked. He does just amazing things yeah as of right now that's really kind of that was our most recent one i don't have anything on the on the docket i got so much going on like i was talking about earlier with uh you know the second location that i haven't thought further ahead to other things but i need to i, I definitely need to so ben charlotte thank you very much for uh, taking some time out of your your busy week here i know we're coming up on the fourth of july as we're recording anything uh, you'd like to leave our listeners with about only child life is short play more beer darts <laughs> I was going to go along the lines of something like, come party with us, who can try and out shotgun us, but yeah, something like that. Sounds like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> We've been known to do it a few times. Okay. For, for me, this is Andy. Jesus. I'm Jim. Charlotte. And Ben. This has been the Tap Takeover Podcast, another solid non-fail production. Thanks, guys.